time. It is. So, James, tell us about that song, because that is awesome. Well, my main man, Gareth Baird, one of my best friends, lived with him for quite a while, incredible guitar player, and uh, graduate of uh, Nimbus School of Sound Design here in Vancouver. Put that together for us on a whim. I actually, uh, I shamelessly gave him uh, a 2002 uh, Pokemon opening theme as inspiration, because it just sounded great. And I sent him the instrumental. He came back with it, recorded all the guitar himself. And uh, yeah, that's the main man there. Couldn't do without him. So if you're listening to the beginning of this podcast, uh, it is neither a music nor a Pokemon podcast, although I'm sure James and I could explore that in the future. But it is a hockey podcast from two guys that describe themselves as hockey nerds. I'd like to say shamelessly. I don't know if it's shamelessly. It's it's shamelessly most of the time. Um, I'm Aiden. With me is James. And James, just tell us about yourself. Well, Aiden, uh, you and I met each other just two short years ago and have exchanged hours upon hours of, uh, some people would call it useless, but I think uh, invigorating hockey trivia, uh, just numbing people's ears with just stupid painful hockey facts and uh hours upon hours of nhl player hangman so uh yeah i think <laughs> i think it's time for us to just shine as hockey nerds and find a way to record it and maybe who knows if no one listens to this at least we have an outlet right yeah at least an excuse right something i could tell my girlfriend i'm doing rather than just sitting on the phone and naming old hockey player names with my <laughs> with my buddy um, yeah, James and I met at the British Columbia Institute of Technology. We are graduates of the journalism and broadcast program, graduated last March. So, yeah, this is our this is our kind of first foray into into hockey podcasting. I am a broadcaster with the Blackfolds Bulldogs in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. I just moved to Red Deer, and James, it was minus nineteen today. <laughs> Wow, you know, I I uh I feel like I probably shouldn't complain about the minus two it was the other night. It snowed here, believe it or not. Like there was a little bit of a snowstorm. I had full handprint sized snowflake flurries hitting my window, and I thought that was nightmare fuel, but I don't even want to think about your situation. Yeah, well, if you're ever out here, we can we can we can go drifting, and by drifting I mean trying to drive on the road normally. <laughs> um <laughs> So James, you know, tell us about yourself. What's your what's your work in hockey? Well, right now I'm doing a little bit for the Surrey Eagles, sprinkling between color and ringside analyst. I like to think about myself as a little bit of a Ray Ferraro in between the bench when that happens. And uh, then, you know, add a little bit of Eddie Olchick style color when I can, when I need to fill in, when I need to help the boys out. Uh, shout out to my broadcast partners, Lucas Chelly and Joey Pitt. Great guys to work with. And uh, South Surrey Arena, always a fun time in there. It's been packed in there every night lately with that new ownership so yeah it's been pretty good um just like yourself full-blown hockey nerd diehard avalanche fan not a bandwagoner i will i will die on that sword <laughs> and uh yeah yeah it's uh it's time yeah james did color commentary for me a few games last season i was with the valley west giants in the british columbia elite hockey league that was before i moved out here and james was a Definitely, definitely top three color person I ever got to work with so far in my career. Um, he was awesome. And yeah, like like we said, graduated BCIT together, as did the man you shouted out earlier, Lucas Chelly, in our program as well. We got to get Lucas on a show eventually, James, totally. Um, but for us, it's going to be, yeah, pretty much everything you can think of in the hockey world, the Main attraction is the NHL. We both work in Junior A, James in BC, me in Alberta. So you're going to have the junior hockey flavor in this podcast as well. Probably a segment later on, if we're going to be honest, just kind of around our leagues. And, you know, right now in, in, in the Alberta Junior League, we got, you know, we got on my team at least three players in the last month getting NCAA commitments. Super stoked to be able to report on that. Super stoked to be able to interact with the players as they're going through that process and not sure what's going on in BC, James. What's going on with the what's going on with the BCHL? Well, with the Surrey Eagles specifically, uh, I've had the the pleasure of watching Dwayne Rollison's son, Ross Rollison, just be dynamite on the back end. Like this guy can run a power play, unreal transition game, great first pass, a little bit of physical bite too. 
he's been a real highlight. And uh, I mean, getting to watch the Eagles start this season, like they have been flying out the gate. And I'm not saying flying just because Eagles are birds. Like the pun was partially intended, but it, 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 it wasn't the whole thing. They have been soaring, flying, rising, whatever cliche you want to use. <laughs> it's uh, It's been pretty sweet, man. Like uh, whether it's home games, away games, these guys have just been rolling. And that's another pun too, because rolling, Rollison, it's, I'm on fire right now. I can't stop. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, I yeah, hope- I think uh, I, this year I've noticed with the BCHL, a lot of, a lot of veterans kind of moved on to NCAA, moved on elsewhere. Um, and those were the kind of vets that were around during the COVID years. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of new spice and flavor in the league. It's very, very fast paced. Um, I'd say there's a little bit more of a speed element this year than previous years. So uh, I, how's it looking over there? Oh man, I've enjoyed this so much so far. And you know, the, the, the move, the move, the move was was always going to be a stressful thing and, and getting this job with Blackfolds and getting to watch this league. This league is awesome. Uh, my team, like I said, we have shout out to Brent Meerman, Jason Seedham, and Connor Dick, all getting NCAA commitments in the last few weeks. Talk to Connor about it after their game on Friday, getting the commitment to go to Northern Michigan University. He's super stoked, and the team is just super excited. And honestly, on my roster here in Blackfolds, we're going to get a few other guys to get NCAA commitments this year. And, you know, kind of my first year working in junior a like i i was working in junior b i was working in the bcehl and you know seeing those kids get the jump to junior a or in the bcehl had some kids get bantam drafted into the whl that was super exciting but to work in junior a and then get to go up to a kid and talk to him about getting a full ride scholarship to a a division one ncaa school like that is so cool to me it's so awesome you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's kind of been a dream getting to work this job so far. And, and yeah, the, this league's awesome. We got two kids on the Brooks bandits, not my team, but in the league that got listed in the NHL central scoutings draft registry, Aiden Fink and Aiden Celebrini, two kids that I was absolutely blown away by the first time I watched them play Aiden Fink's got hands like you wouldn't believe, um, both given a C rating, which usually means between the third and the fifth rounds, but um, you, you've seen those guys go higher. You've seen those guys go lower. So it'll be something to keep an eye on come the end of the NHL season. And speaking of the NHL season, James, as much as we work in junior hockey, as much as we love junior hockey, that's where the, the majority of the interest is. That's where the majority of our viewership goes. So NHL right now, it's November 7th. What are you, what are you, what are you watching in the NHL? What's going on? What's on your radar? Well, Aiden, before I go there, I mean, it's kind of bridging that way, but you said the name Aiden Celebrini. And he has a brother named Macklin Celebrini. This guy plays for the Chicago Steel in the USHL, one of the top prospects eligible for the 2024 draft. This guy is a guy to watch. Like, I mean, bit of a different path going the USHL route, kind of Kyle Connor, Youngstown Phantoms-esque. Uh, like, he projects to be a top 10, top 15 pick in that draft. It's, uh, I'm not saying you got the wrong Celebrini to watch, because I'm sure he's a one hell of a player. But this guy, this guy's can't miss hockey. I've watched a little bit of highlights of him unreal transition player great off the rush like he's gonna be dynamite at center for whatever team ends up getting him i did see max celebrini score an unreal goal for canada's u17s the other day just right in front put the puck between his legs and roofed it over the goaltender in that game yeah so absolutely and and we're we're gonna continue to to keep the keep keep the eye on the prospects keep the eye on the kids because at the end of the day that's the future of the sport oh 100 and uh and i just want to take note of where he's from as well another vancouver product like we're getting so many guys coming out of vancouver going to the nhl it's uh it seems like over the past few years or in years going forward it's more than ever like you think kent johnson connor bedard coming up it's uh vancouver's been churning out prospects like nobody's business well and we we both have lived in the area you live in the area and you know the amount of hockey in the area it, it definitely justifies the the production of players the production of talent yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I had on my NHL radar, we were kind of chatting before, is again, kind of speaking of Western Canada, I had all three of the Canadian teams in Western Canada doing so much better than they're doing this year. Calgary blew a lead against the Islanders tonight. Vancouver blew a lead against Nashville the other night. The Oilers and the Washington Capitals, as we speak, as we're recording, 
are in a dogfight in the third period. It's 4-3 Washington right now. We'll obviously give you a little podcast update near the end. You'll be listening to this while that game is over. But all three teams struggling a little bit. For Edmonton, the big story has been their free agent goaltender signing Jack Campbell, not living up to expectations. So, James, what did you expect out of Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary versus the the product we're seeing on the ice from the three teams? Well, I just checked the game notes on that uh, that Caps Oilers game five four Capitals final. That's uh, that's a that's a Stuart Skinner loss. Um, five goals allowed. I'm not saying he's not the savior, but I don't really think goaltending is their only problem. I think defensively they need to provide some coverage for those goalies as well. But you know, I didn't have all three of these Western Canadian teams in the top three spots in the Pacific, but. I had all of them in a playoff spot. Like I had Vancouver in a wild card. I had both Calgary and Edmonton. I had Calgary taking the division. That's not looking great so far. I mean, it's still so early. You think about it, we're just over an eighth of the way through the NHL season. Uh, things can turn around. Like we've we've watched just in the past several years, uh, St. Louis dead last at Christmas and ending up making the playoffs, winning a cup. So let's not say they're out of the mix yet. And but there's still a lot of battling to do. I think one of the big problems is uh, for these Western Canadian teams, you look at the Pacific Division, every California team got a bit better. I mean, San Jose got rid of Brent Burns, which you know you'd think would make them worse, but it just kind of unleashed Eric Carlson on the world for some reason. It, it just it was like, oh, okay, it's 2016 again. Eric Carlson's gonna bring all of the pain you could ever imagine. And uh, yeah, I think. I think just that improvement, there's not as many easy points in the division, right? So when teams make that Western Canadian road trip, we're seeing, I mean, other than Pittsburgh, we're seeing, all right, this is a very tough matchup every night. I'm not saying Pittsburgh wasn't wasn't a tough opponent. Yeah, but they they struggled. They struggled, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I would really, I would give props to these other teams for not taking it lying down. The NHL is a league full of parity, and we're not really seeing teams just come in and roll over. Like, LA is probably one of the most interesting teams in that division for me. And I could I could see them beating probably any of the Western Canadian teams in a playoff series. So, I don't know. What do you think about that now? Do you really think that the improvement of those California teams changes it all that much? Well, I'm just going to piggyback on something you said. Los Angeles might be one of the most intriguing teams in the NHL because they are getting better. They are on the upswing, but they're not on the upswing for the reasons that I thought they were going to be on the upswing two years ago. Like Quentin Byfield and Alex Turcotte, to me, those are two guys that are going to take these franchises to new heights. Correct me, are they, they're both in uh, Ontario, the AHL. Byfield just got sent down. So, but it's it's this Gabe Velarde kid who, who, you know, you heard about, kept getting injured and all of a sudden is in the, I think, top five in NHL and goals. So, it's really just, it's so fascinating. And I've always been a huge Anze Kopitar fan. He continues to show his class and his his ability, his his pedigree. Um, yeah, like you said, the, the the only team that that I would say is kind of below my expectations this year in the Pacific Division, I did think the Anaheim Ducks were going to be able to take a step forward as much as they did have Ryan gets left apart. I thought the addition of Mason McTavish, John Klingberg, I thought that team was going to kind of take a step forward and they 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 maybe stagnated a little bit but um overall you're absolutely right you didn't even mention the Vegas Golden Knights who are having a, pretty much a 180 from their season last year and a season ridiculed by injuries that wise people probably should have predicted would have been turned around this year and by wise people I mean not me because I didn't have them in a playoff spot when I did my predictions at the beginning of the year but that Logan Thompson kid is is looking like the 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 Vegas savior that they needed that nobody knew they had. One name, Aiden. Jack Eichel. That guy is really freaking good at hockey. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is a beast. And, you know, after all those years at Buffalo, things going wrong. Uh, the What was it? The disc replacement? Or did he get the... Yeah, he got the disc replacement rather than the disc fusion. And... People kind of wrote him off a bit. He came in, he had what, like a hand or finger injury after he came to Vegas last year. I can't remember the exact number, but he was a few under a point per game. 
and he played great. A few hundred point per game is is top notch production in the best league in the world. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if you have the numbers there, but Jack Eichel's really good at hockey, and that's a guy who is a legitimate franchise center. Like, don't you remember back in 2015 when he was coming up to the draft, where it was like, yeah, if McDavid's not in this draft, Eichel's a number one draft pick. This isn't. This guy's not. Oh, he should be second. You know, like he's he's a battler. Like he's got he's got some qualities on the ice. Like he can blow past people. Crazy hands. Deceptive shot. Yeah, he's he's the kind of thing that can just pull your team forward. Not to mention they have complimentary players like Marsha So Riley Smith. These guys are just coming in battling every night. Riley Smith is a pain to watch your team play against. Like that guy is frustrating. So I think this team has a lot to galvanize them going forward. Not to mention they have one of the, like, I don't know, top 10 defensemen on the planet. Now it's Petrangelo. Like that guy still exists. Yeah. Petrangelo had a very difficult season last year with the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's kind of Alex Petrangelo. The, the, the perception of Petrangelo after last season is pretty descriptive of, of the team. Like I I think it, it represents the perception of Vegas, like Petrangelo had one negative season, kind of got written off. Vegas had one negative season, got written off, and and both Petrangelo and the Knights are kind of showing, like like you said, no, we, we still exist. <laughs> yeah, Jack Eichel, even in Buffalo, two seasons above a point per game, including I know one season he played under seventy games, I think at thirty six goals, and, and yeah, he 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 always had this in him. He always had this ability, and it, it's you know in this league personally, no matter who you are, who you play for, I want to see the talent. I want to see the talent. I want to see it on display. And Jack Eichel is displaying the boatloads of talent he has so far this season. And I think if I were to add one more thing in on those Vegas Golden Knights, do you remember when they came into the league and they were the Island of Misfit Toys, the extra pieces no one really wanted, even though their management totally fleeced everyone on their way in, they were just, they were a bunch of different parts and they really lost that when they got rid of say the, that second line with, with what was it? Hala Perron and James Neal. Yeah. And they got rid of another guy in Stastny, um, uh, Nate Schmidt, all of these guys that made the golden Knights who they were and made them so successful and had the, all that heart and all that compete. And I think now that the expectations are down, they're back to that. They're back to jumping on teams because yeah, these are all these top pieces from other teams that didn't quite fit in or or were, uh, management wasn't able to fit them into the puzzle. This happened, that happened. And now they're all on Vegas. And, you know, the overactive mover is the one that's not the one that's, he's not the one that's the most comfortable. And last year, all the injuries, all these guys getting settled in with each other, it was bound to be a write-off. But they come in now, they all know each other better. Chemistry's better. And I think this is just a juiced up band of misfit toys ready to make everyone pay. Well, and you kind of touched on the fact that Vegas last year, it it was something that needed to come together. And that's what we're seeing this year is the result of it having come together. And we're talking about the Canadian teams, in the Pacific division. I think Calgary is a year behind where massive changes with the flames, right? I'm not, you know, whether or not on paper, they got better or worse. There was a massive turnover Goudreau, Kachuk, Goodbranson out, Uyghur, Kadri, Huberto in are the, are the is the is the major storylines there. And I, I was one of the people that did think they got better on paper, but no matter if they got better or worse, that was like you can't understate what that would have done to that team, what that would have done to that room. That is a huge shakeup, and I I do think Calgary, you know, you like you said, it's early in the season. I'm not writing them out of the playoff spot yet. But for them to make the playoffs, they're going to have to come together as a group and it has to click. And I don't know if it's clicked yet. No, that trade, that trade's one of the, those ones that's always going to be, I remember where I was when that trade happened. I was sitting in Whistler. We had a guy's trip, awesome weekend. Me and like 11 guys sitting at the table, at a Longhorn restaurant. It, it was a long day. And all of a sudden, because like, I don't know, out of 12 guys, I think eight of them are hockey nerds. <laughs> we all of our phones buzz at once. And I just look up and my jaw drops. My my roommate at the time, Colton, he looks at me and he's like, I 
I don't know what I'm looking at right now. I don't I don't know what this is. Is this real? There's no way this is real. This is this is a EA NHL trade. Like we're playing franchise mode, and this this is something someone drummed up because they really wanted the player. Because when you're playing those games, if the team doesn't want to trade the player, you gotta double their value. And I saw first round pick, prospect, Huberto, Uyghur. And I was like, okay, that's that's a lot. How could you say no to that? And it was it was the kind of thing where I'm never going to forget being there and seeing that trade come across the wire and just feeling that reaction of, I don't even know what to think about this. And then I think that kind of parallels where Calgary's at now. They don't really know what to do. These guys don't know where they are. Elias Lindholm is one of the best two-way centers in the league. The guy is a dynamite player. And... He doesn't have his two wingers that he built all this great chemistry with. So now you you just got the shuffleboard there. You got one of the greatest coaches in the world, best of his era in Daryl Sutter. And and a lot of very talented pieces. It's just making it work. It's finding the right combination. It's getting used to each other, the right timing. You know, we could see them go on in a seven to ten game heater sometime late in the year and propel up the standings. Uh, at some point, they could just figure it out. But right now, I was just watching that Flames-Islanders game. And, uh, I don't know, they just collapsed. Lost a 3-1 lead. 4-3 overtime loss. Noah Dobson, OT. They just kind of looked like a shell of themselves. They looked where they were so dominant. Even the first couple games of this season, I watched them play. And I was like, oof, these guys are scary. But I don't even really know what to think now. And I don't really think they do either. I think it's just like Vegas. It's going to take time. Yeah, I, no, I, I 100% agree with you. It's kind of funny that you 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 mentioned the, oh, where were you when? Because I was not too far from your hometown when I got the, the, the little buzz on my phone. I was up uh, near Bowser on Vancouver Island, not too far from your hometown of Port Alberni when I when I got that buzz. And I, I, I remember calling my one of my friends who's a Panthers fan and then, hearing just the 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 devastation in his voice that his favorite player and Jonathan Huberno got traded but yeah you're right it's the other thing that that is is kind of influencing my judgment of the team is the fact that no matter where where they are right now whether it's the roster the the state of the team how they're playing it could have been so much worse it could have been just this could have been a team that, you know, had the the division title in the regular season last year, all the expectations, a disappointing second round loss. And then we could have been talking about the Flames as a no way they're in the playoffs team this year if the return for Kachuk wasn't what it is. And the 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 ambition of, of the GM in the offseason to go get Kadri wasn't there, right? And I think I think I think the Flames are going to be rewarded for that positive thinking, for that for for that trade, for that signing, for 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 the way they're 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 composing that organization and and yeah, I I really I really do think that team is going to have a push forward. And as a Canucks fan, that maybe pains me a little bit, but it's um I do have faith in the Calgary Flames, more faith in the Flames than I do have in the Vancouver Canucks, which is the second Pacific Division team that blew a lead and lost after regulation recently. I don't know even where to start. It's, it's, it is a little close to home. So I'll, I'll let you start on the Vancouver Canucks, James. Well, Aiden, the feeling in the city is pretty dry. People are pissed. Disappointment after disappointment. I will say I think I am a good luck charm because I was at the game against the Penguins and they absolutely pumped the Penguins. And uh, so if someone were to buy me season tickets, I think they put up a 50-win season. I think that's the case. I don't think anyone wealthy enough to do that is listening. But if they are, I'm here, just so they know. I, 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 uh, I'm I a good luck charm. I'm willing to help out and do my part. I only need... A slice of pizza or a hot dog and a, a beer per game. I'm good. I'm easy. They don't need to put me up in a suite. I'll sit in the upper bowl. I can help the team out. <laughs> but I think with this Canucks team, you look at what management said last year when they came in. All of these things. They want depth. 
at right defense. They want new young depth up the middle. They want to acquire guys who aren't prospects right out of the draft, but guys who are close to making it. It was, they want guys who are ready for action. They want some new blood. And Horvat hasn't been traded. Uh, there's no wood to knock on, but Horvat hasn't been traded. He hasn't been signed either, but um, <laughs> uh, JT Miller has signed a huge extension. Brock Besser doesn't look like he's going anywhere as of right now. You can't rule it out, but then you commit further. You bring in Mikheyev. You bring in Kuzmenko. Love Kuzmenko. Love him. He's he's gold for a hockey fan, whether it's from a media perspective, on ice perspective. The guy is awesome. Like, you can't not love him. But you bring in all these things. You still have a back end that was considered nothing short of suspect last year. Uh, I don't know what's really changed. Uh, Jack Rathbone having a slightly bigger role. I I don't really know what else is different. Relying more on Luke Shen. I don't know. These don't really seem like the biggest formulas for success. I like both of those guys. I'm a fan of both of those guys. Love Luke Shen. Awesome hockey player. He's saving my fantasy team right now with all of his hits and blocks. And penalty minutes, that is. But I think this is just... It's a lot of moving parts, and I think I don't really think this market or the team, anyone on the roster, management, I don't really think they have the patience for the to wait for the team to work out the kinks per se. I don't really think that's the right move. I think something needs to change. Yeah, they've won a couple games now, still early. They really could turn it around and make a wild card spot. It's not out of the question, but they just look so uninspired. In, in the games they lose, it's just like something's just missing. There's just an air around the team. Like, do you remember watching... Oh, this is such a terrible comparison. Do you remember watching Carolina when their only good players were Eric Stahl and Cam Ward? And how it was like, they walked... They skated out there just ready to just take a beating every night. They tried. They'll put in an effort. But you just see a lot of uninspired hockey. And then it creates an uninspired aura around the team for the fans, everyone around. I just don't really see much that gets me excited. That's pretty much the best way I can put it. Well, and the uninspired bit is is a good one. And one of the players that looks the most uninspired to me, and, you know, we can sit here and we can talk about the defense. The defense, to me, that's that's a, it's a broken record. The defense should be improved. This is not a defense that you make a playoff run with. This is not a defense that a strong team will be proud of. But last season under Bruce Boudreaux, the team did so, so well with a mediocre defense. And that was largely in part because one Thatcher Demko was just unplayable at times last year. And if you're talking uninspired... Thatcher Demko looks mighty uninspired. Right, or not right now. I'm looking at a graph that I had had saved from November the 5th. It is the lowest goal saved above expected. Thatcher Demko is second worst. You have goaltenders around him like Jack Campbell who are getting the world of flack. Campbell's was twice as good as Demko's. So it's, it's again, saying he's saying he's been bad is just, I, I, I feel dirty saying it, but it's that word. It's that word uninspired that I think you hit the nail on the head with uninspired. That is exactly what Thatcher Demko looks like. And that is exactly, I think what the Vancouver Canucks look like. And when Rutherford came in, I thought it was going to change a little bit. I thought Rutherford was going to, you know, put his foot down on the, this needs to get better. This needs to get better. We're not going to give this contract out. We're not going to pay this player this amount. And it just doesn't feel any different. doesn't feel any different. And it's it's disappointing as a fan to say that. Um, It's disappointing as somebody who, whether or not I'm a Canucks fan, you know, I I would deep down like to see Canadian hockey succeed. Um, as a Canucks fan, I'd still rather the Flames or the Oilers win the Cup this year than any American team. It's time for it to come home. But it's it's not going to be to Vancouver. And it's not going to be to Vancouver until something, like you said, something does need to change. 
and you know uh i'm 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 open-minded i'm ready i'm ready for whatever that might be (laughs) two points on that my friend one are you just saying you want to come to edmonton or calgary because you live in alberta now you just want to see the cup you just want to see it in person and see someone celebrating i see that smirk on your face you just want to see the stanley cup that's not selfish i do too I was I was a little sad I couldn't find Devon Taves' uh, cup party, but um, yeah, no, I I, t- I totally understand that. And the second point is, would you be inspired if you came into the season and the defense arguably got worse, and you have to sit there and stand on your head for another 65, 70 games this season? I don't think I'd be all that inspired. I think honestly. If I was that goalie who did everything for this team, management says he's an untouchable, one of very few untouchables on the roster, commits to being there, says he wants to be there, management goes and locks up a forward for just over $4 million for four years instead of improving the blue line, I'd be angry. Honestly, I'd make a statement. Maybe he's, I think Thatcher Debko is a more noble guy than me. And I don't really think he's going to have a hissy fit, but I don't really think I'd be stoked. I wouldn't really be jazzed up and ready to go. I'd be pissed. Yeah. And if he is, it's it's hard to blame him because, yeah, it's exactly like you said. It's the, it's the, you know, this is the area the team needs to improve. And the team built one of the deepest forward groups in the league and did nothing to the defense. And, you know, I like Ethan Bear a lot. He's somebody I'd wanted for the Canucks, and they got him. They bought low on him, and I like the trade. I like the player. I like that, you know, he's he's brought, you know, he hasn't brought anything special, really, to the Canucks since he was acquired, but he brought a certain stability that was lacking when I would see Noah Juleson in the lineup, um, when I would see Riley Stillman or Kyle Burroughs. I, I don't mind when they play. It's when they would play a lot that you would kind of see the holes in their game. Um Anyways, quickly, I guess this became a Pacific Division podcast, so we'll just uh, move on to the Edmonton Oilers and a team that I had hoisting the cup this year in my preseason predictions. Um, doesn't quite look like that kind of team. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're the Edmonton Oilers, your philosophy is always going to be if we have McDavid and we have Dreisaitl, and we have a couple of high-end supporting cast members up front in Evander Kane, Nuge, you have a chance every game. That is a fact. If you can have McDavid or Dreisaitl put up three points, or five, four, six, I don't know, whatever they just feel like on the night, then you have a chance to win the game. Outscoring your problems doesn't always work. We saw Florida collapse with that with that philosophy around their game. Uh, last summer last summer spring whatever you want to call it swummer i think i just said swummer <laughs> but yeah i outscoring your problems doesn't always work that was a blue line that was supposed to grow and get better this year i think people expect a huge step out of evan bouchard um whether it's his fault the coach's fault whether it's just more time needed that hasn't really happened yet I think uh, you invest a bunch of money into Jack Campbell, and right now Stuart Skinner is getting more of an opportunity, and reasonably so. Um, I think that's a team that's going to absolutely catch fire, and somehow, and they're going to be second or third in the division, and they're going to make it past at least the first round of playoffs. I still stand by that. I think Connor McDavid's going to score sixty this year, sixty four, sixty four is that's my guess. That's where I'm going to go. Um, one, I think he's gonna have 64 goals yeah one under that Ovechkin 65 in 078 but well he's got he's got 13 and 13 right now um I would I would just love to love to see somebody in this NHL in this day and age do 50 for 50 man oh wouldn't that be just unbelievable last player to do it was officially last player to do it was Brett Hall and just to think about the fact that, you know, and again, it's an eighth of the season. It's 13 games in for Connor McDavid, but that's on the table. And I just, if that's on the table, I'm eating it up. Like I would just absolutely love to see that. That would be so, so cool. I just, 
I think this team has so much more. And yeah, you know what? They ran into the Avs in the conference final and Colorado wasn't losing against anyone in that playoffs. Once they got past their second round demons, it was over for everyone. It was a fact. And, you know, they, they, I think this Oilers team has a lot to give, a lot to show. And it's McDavid's year. If I think if they're going to win the cup in the next couple of years, it might be this one. It might be. I don't, I don't particularly want to see it. I'm an Avs fan. I'd, I want to see them win again. I'm selfish and I, I'm admittedly selfish. I want to see, I want to see the Oilers get swept in the third round again, but you know, I think that's the team that I'm probably the least worried about in the Pacific. I think the Oilers are going to give everyone hell and it's going to be, I don't know, 48, 49 wins. It's going to be a big season for them. And I think they're going to turn it around pretty quick. Goaltending is going to come eventually. Jack Campbell's always been a streaky goaltender. Win tons of games in a row for the Leafs and then fall off a cliff or get injured. It's or get injured walking his cat on the sidewalk. I don't know. He's I've I'm a Jack Campbell fan. And so I don't say any of those things spitefully. I really like Jack Campbell. I I always have. Him making it and getting a big NHL contract after going from can't miss prospect to nobody to backup goalie to starter. That's that that's movie worthy. That's an awesome career arc. I hope he succeeds and I think he will. Don't think Stuart Skinner is the answer, but I've been proven wrong time and time again. So I'll die on that sword too. So I think I was going to keep the Oilers thing short and sweet, but no, I think they're fine. That That's the team I'm least worried about. Okay. So a lot of Pacific division talk. Not sure that was super planned, but we've given our two cents on the entire division, every team in the division, almost every player in the division. Um, one of the things that I know we were both watching in the last little while that I think is super cool. NHL Global Series, Columbus, Colorado, in Finland, Patrick Lyonet scoring in his home country, Miko Rantanen scoring a hat-trick in his own country. James, you're an Avs fan. What was it? What was it to you watching your team play in play in Finland? Well, I can't mention that without uh touching on the fact that Arturi Lekkinen also got on the board. That's another uh another Finnish player uh getting on the board in his home country. It was really cool. You know, I got to see uh, there was videos on the app social media of Lekkonen and Rantanen taking a dip in, in I don't know, a river, a lake, and ice cold water because they're in their home country. They're they're representing for their team. They're representing for their family. They're representing for where they grew up and who they are. I think it was really awesome. I think it was it was the kind of thing where. Yeah, it's like 10 games into the season, so it doesn't have the same flair that uh, the the preseason one that Nashville and San Jose had going on. It's not the same flair and coverage on social media necessarily, but it was a lot of fun to watch. It was really cool to see a team that I've been a fan of my whole life go do it. And then, just like we said, the best part was the players who are in their home country really getting to enjoy it and getting to relish in that spotlight. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the, the, the NHL is in Canada and the States, but there are so, so many players not from Canada and the States. So, you know, the, the, the people in those countries get to get to watch the, watch the, the pride of their countries in many, in many cases play at the highest level on TV, right? And it's just the 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 allure of getting to go there, getting to go to a country that is, you know, just as crazy about hockey as we are, but doesn't have that pro league. It's 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 super cool. And it's a super it's a super good thing to me the NHL is doing because it's being done in a in a, you know, let's grow the sport, let's grow the league um perspective and I just, you know, if if that's what you're going for, it's to me that's 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 ne- it's never a bad thing to try and you know have your your product and your sport expand and touch places and be places it wasn't going to be before and i think uh, i think it's really important going forward for it to maybe not go to obscure places in hockey but uh i believe we've seen it in china and there's all this talk right now about australia so i get i guarantee you all of these uh 
all of these managers who want to uh, go on a trip to Australia are going to be aggressively hunting Nathan Walker because obviously whatever team he's on is going to get to go. <laughs> it's a fact. He's the only player in the league from Australia. So he's going to be there. Like a team might even have some deal in place where no, 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 we're getting you. Like this is, this is it. We want to go to Australia. It's a fact. And uh, I actually have a little bit of hockey roots in Australia when, uh, when my grandfather uh, finished playing junior hockey and he was uh, playing amateur senior league, whatever you called it back then. Um, uh, they tried to start a league in Australia. And I believe it's still going. And I have his Jersey still today of when he went and played quote unquote pro hockey in Australia. So, you know, I always think of my grandpa when I think of hockey in Australia. And I think the NHL should really target places like that and places like Slovenia, Franze Kopitar, you know, like, places that have a guy or two where they can really expand and grow in a different market and keep that pushing forward. Absolutely. And um, one of the things that's kind of been on the radar of hockey fans, nothing, nothing is concrete about doing it or not doing it, but a world cup of hockey has been in the cards. And to me, I was, I don't know if I was in the minority. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't quite know what the overall consensus was, but I would have much rather have seen a World Cup of hockey with eight of hockey's top countries or 12 of hockey's top countries like the Olympics is than a Team North America U23 and a Team Europe. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, so to me, getting to, you know, go to places, like you said, like a Slovenia to to to, to get the eyes on Anze Kopitar to wherever, if it means then that sport gets grown and then down the line you get that World Cup of hockey that has the Austria, the Switzerland rather than the Team Europe, that's what I want to see too. Completely agree with you there, man. It's uh, it, it's something that needs to keep pushing forward. And I won't say you're in the minority. It was kind of a love hate relationship for me. Like I loved watching all the all the young stars put up all these crazy highlight reels. Like I will never forget the Nathan McKinnon goal on Lundqvist. That was one of the most fun highlights I've ever watched. And you had Matthews, McKinnon, McDavid all on the same squad, just putting up highlight reel after highlight reel. It was a really good time, and I think. That would be cool for like a start of tourney exhibition or something like that, if that could work. But I think just like you said, having a, each team be able to each country be represented by a team, uh, at least the major hockey powers, I think that should be the focus. And that's what it needs to be if we're going to go this route. Well, on kind of on a on a timely note, the World Cup of football starts in exactly two weeks time. I am Portuguese, so I have the the foot in the hockey camp through my uh, through me being Canadian, and a foot in the football soccer camp through being Portuguese. And just you know, I'm not saying that the World Cup of hockey is ever going to reach the the notoriety and the the spectacle that the World Cup of football is, but you couldn't ever imagine seeing a team like a team Europe team, North America youngsters at the world cup of football, right? Like that's just so absurd. And and to me, if you're gonna, if the world cup is going to replace something like the Olympics and be that premier international best on best tournament, you, you need to have it more like the world cup of football than like the 2016 world cup of hockey, where there's a qualification process that you go through. And then it is the teams that, came out of that qualifying that will play each other. And, and, you know, my first major hockey tournament I remember watching was the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. And Slovakia was one of the best stories of that tournament. They finished, they ended up finishing fourth, but they, 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 Slovakia wasn't even in the world cup of hockey. They were part of team Europe. Right. And so for me, it's, it's, it, it was it was something like you said, love hate because it was so much fun to watch. But at the same time, I was still sitting there watching Team North America, thinking, I just would have rather have seen Switzerland play Finland in this game. <laughs> Completely agree. And you know, I think for all of that to happen, it's going to have to be some kind of agreement with the IHF, and uh, and it's going to have to be maybe use the World Championship as like the yearly world championship is a qualification process uh, because there are several levels to that if you look deep there's mexico and other countries playing each other in like group f of of the uh, of the world championship yearly 
And, you know, maybe eventually they work up those ranks and that's something they could use as a model for getting this World Cup exactly where it needs to be for us. That was somewhere I don't think James and I thought we were going. So we are going to kind of move on. Um, what's next on your docket? Uh, next thing I got for you is a little bit of a fun one. Uh, we've seen a lot of exceptional status players in the Canadian Hockey League rise up these junior ranks. The guys that are highly touted, guys that are labeled can't miss prospects by the time they're 14, 15 years old. Like Sean Day. Some of them work out. Some of them don't. You just <laughs> mentioned the one that really didn't, Sean Day. Most people don't even know who that guy is anymore. He actually is still in the NHL system. I believe he's in the A right now. But Tampa, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yeah. And why not take a chance on him? Why not give him a go? I mean, I, I don't think it's going to work out, but I've been wrong before. And I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see that guy uh, have it be the end of a success story. But the way I'm going with this, the kind of theme for this is I keep reading about and watching this guy, Michael Misa. The guy is an absolute beast. You see him and you think, okay, yeah, he's he's one of the next ones. This is this is another campus prospect. This is a guy that when he's drafted is going to change an organization going forward, a franchise center. But We've had a couple things in the past couple of years that make people start to think otherwise, or me at least. I don't know. Talking with friends, just having a BS, talk about hockey, talk about these prospects. We're watching Shane Wright not play or play five minutes a game. It's Alexis Lafreniere's, what, third season now? I believe this is season three. And I don't know. He looked pretty good in the playoffs. He's, he passes the eye test now. There's definite development. But was this not supposed to be a guy who was going to put up 50, 60 points for you right away and be a rookie of the year candidate, immediately make a difference on your roster and be a, a, a somewhat of a franchise cornerstone going forward? I think that we're getting to the point where I'm not going to say these expectations are too high because this is the best league in the world. The expectations have to be high. If you're going to be a top player, you have to be a top player. But... I don't know. I think just putting these labels on guys this early, it, it's it's starting to show some repercussions. What do you think about that? Where do you stand? To me, you're right about the the expectations being high off the bat. Like for me, a good example is Jack Hughes. I was fortunate to be in town last week. I was at the Canucks Devils game and it was the first time I'd ever seen Jack Hughes play live. And I'm watching this guy play and I, I don't recognize him from the guy that I watched in his rookie season. His development from that rookie 1920 Devils campaign to now is unbelievable. So I, I think on the one hand, the 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 hype and the expectation is is not misplaced at all with guys like Connor Bedard, Matt Bamishkov, and Adam Fantilli this year, and Misa down the line. I don't even think Misa's 2024, he's 2025. Um, but I think while the expectations being high is okay, we also can't be trigger happy and saying like, oh, this guy didn't have a good rookie year and write him off because you're going to get a Jack Hughes who looks after his rookie season like his ceiling might be a 2C and now looks like he is, his ceiling is, is that he doesn't have one, <laughs> quite frankly. Like this, this guy looks really, really good. Um, So yeah, for every, for every, for every Nail Yakupov, there's a Connor McDavid and for every, you know, Jack Hughes that takes a while to develop, you know, I think, I think Shane Wright's going to fall under that category as well, where he's going to get a chance in Seattle and then he's going to take off. I think just to put a bow on this one before we ramble on too hard, because that's what we are. We're ramblers and riverboat gamblers. That's what we do. Um, I want to look back to the 1997, 98 season. Joe Thornton put up a whopping seven points in 55 games. And this guy might never play another game. And if, if that's true, he ends his career with over 1,500 points and one of the best players of his generation. Uh, he was an MVP, league scoring winner. Like he is one of the best players we've watched in our lifetimes. And that guy's rookie season was worse than Jack Hughes, Alexis Lafreniere. It's, you can't write guys off. They need the right opportunity. They need the right time. 
And it's just the way it's going to be. It It's not going to be a guy flying in and putting up 65, 70 points right away. And that's just, that's why it's the best league in the world. And honestly, I don't have a problem with it. I think, I think we just need to exercise patience a little bit more rather than getting a little too excited. I agree with you. But with all that being said from both of us, I'm going to directly contradict it and say that despite all that, I would put money on Connor Bedard hitting 100 points in his rookie year if he stays healthy next year, <laughs> because there's there's the there's the expectation, but then there's the like, okay, no, this guy's uh, this guy's special. Do you want to do it? Do you want this to be our first ever bet of our podcast? I'll bet you 20 bucks he doesn't. Okay, deal. Deal. All right, virtual handshake coming your way across the country. <laughs> and with that being said, even like some drafts are stronger than others. And I think that that also kind of gets forgotten is, is the fact that, you know, 2015, that McDavid, Marner, Hannafin, Eichel, top five, not every top five is like that. So you see somebody coming in is like, oh, this guy's the best prospect in his draft class. It's like, okay, but I know Shane Wright was supposed to be the best prospect in his draft class, ended up dropping to fourth. He never in a million years would have been picked in the top three of this coming draft. He just wouldn't have, right? He's not that he's he's not at that level. So I think the other thing too, that people have to kind of see through is that number of the draft position, right? Like, you know, Logan Cooley getting picked third overall by the Arizona Coyotes, that's going to follow him around. I like Logan Cooley, but he's not going to be what Adam Fantilli is going to be this year. You know what I'm saying? So I think that also has to be something that, we as kind of a hockey fan base start to acknowledge a little bit more is, you know, not every number one overall pick is cut from the same cloth and not every top five pick is going to be the same as last year's or next year's. And, you know, it, it varies. And not to mention right now, we're talking about Shane, Wright, We're talking about, you know, recent picks. Lafreniere is probably a little bit before this, the impact that COVID had on the development of prospects also can't be understated whatsoever. And I think with some time reflecting on this, you're going to kind of see the the draft classes of the last few years get, you know, like they're, they're going to be kind of random on which prospects hit and which prospects don't just because it affected everybody in different ways. It affected everybody on the world in the world in different ways. It affected you and me in different ways. And it's it, so it, it's 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 something that that we definitely will, you know, with the benefit of hindsight in the future be able to kind of dig a little bit deeper on, but yeah, I, I think, I, I think, I, I think what, what you're saying is, is right about, about the expectation and about, uh, about kind of tendering it. I think if I were to give you one last note before we shift gears, because we are getting short on time here, it can never be forgotten when judging Shane, right? That the guy went a full season without playing competitive hockey. COVID smacked him in the face. It's a fact. It sucks, and I hope it isn't completely detrimental to his career. Absolutely, no. That's that's uh, that's necessary. That's important, and yeah, I know, I know that that might be even a knock on him because while he didn't have a choice not to play in the OHL, he didn't go and pursue other paths like a lot of other prospects did. Brand uh, Clark, Brand Clark's a good example. Somebody who is still playing with the LA Kings. I'm really really crossing my fingers that he is made available to the world junior team come December, but I am a big Clark fan. So good for him for staying with an LA Kings team that we were talking about earlier on the podcast is one of the more intriguing teams in the NHL. But like you said, this has been going on a while. Like, And if you get me started talking about prospects in the NHL draft, it's never going to stop. So let's shift gears. What's next on your docket, James? Well, Aiden, before we go, I have two quick games for you. First one I'm going to do is... This is one, I don't know, we could do it maybe monthly, definitely not weekly. I would like to say, tentative name for this one. Would you like to hit the panic button? Or are you going to be optimistic and watch going forward? So what this is going to be is we're going to take a look at the NHL standings and more specifically the teams at the bottom. I'm going to completely ignore a team like Arizona, which we had no expectations for. Honestly, their 4-6-1 and one record is probably better than expected. And you can thank the GOAT, Carl Vimelka, for, for keeping them in, in games. <laughs> the bane of every gambler's existence. <laughs> um, so, all right. Columbus Blue Jackets, 
three nine and zero record. Just got pumped twice by the Abs in Finland. Uh, they added a couple pretty solid players going in going into the season, but we all knew that a first line center was absent. So Columbus Blue Jackets, panic button? Or are you optimistic? Um, it kind of depends on what their expectations are this season, but I'm gonna go optimistic because, like you said, the players they added, like Johnny Gaudreau, yes, is in his late twenties. But to me, Johnny Gaudreau is still going to be there when Kent Johnson becomes that first line center, when Cole Sillinger becomes that full-time second line center. And all of a sudden, your woes at center are no longer with those two players that will be studs are going to come up and they're going to fill those spots. I'm a big Jack Roslevic fan, but he's not a first line center. So I think they know what they have. And I think cautious optimism moving forward. They're not a playoff team, but... It's not like they were all in to be a playoff team this year. They didn't sell off their prospects and picks to go all in. They just kind of splash money at Goudreau and cross their fingers. Great points all around. St. Louis Blues, one spot above them at 31st in the league. 3-7-0. and Not great goals for. Panic button? Are you optimistic? I think panic button for the Blues because... To me, there's no reason they should be doing that poorly with the talent on the roster. I'm a huge Robert Thomas fan. I'm a huge Jordan Cairo fan. I've loved Braden Shen since he was a prospect with the Los Angeles Kings. And to me, that Blues team, th- there's no excuse. There's nobody that's out injured right now that's going to come back and make a huge difference. So to me, it's something's got to change because that team's too good to be playing that poorly. Next up, we got the Ottawa Senators, 4-7-0 after two huge additions with Giroux, Debrinket, a lot of prospects like Jake Sanderson and Shane Pinto moving up the depth chart and making big impacts. Uh, changes in the net, injuries in the net. They're 4-7-0. Panic button or optimism? I think it has to be optimism. Kind of like the Columbus Blue Jackets with signing Gaudreau. Signing Giroux and Debrinket wasn't going to take this team from a non-playoff team to a cup contender overnight. Um, Josh Norris is hurt. That's not just hurting my fantasy team. It is hurting the Ottawa Senators, obviously. Josh Norris is one player. He is superb. So to me, Ottawa fully healthy. <clears throat> and the Senators didn't make as many changes as a team like the Flames. But I also think Ottawa's hasn't really found the perfect combination of players. I think once the Sens click, and once you see a little bit of development on guys like Norris, like Pinto, like Batherson, like Sanderson, that team's going to go from, you know, I think 20 points out of the playoffs last year to a staple in the top three of the Atlantic division. I think expecting them to be a shoe in playoff team this year was probably jumping the gun a little bit, but that team is a team built for the future. So struggling in the now is no reason to lose our heads. All right, I'm going to give my first uh, my first warning and introduction to my cat, Mina. She never shuts up, so this podcast will probably feature approximately three to five meows per episode, so just letting you guys know that. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead here. Um, so I'm going to skip four teams because we've said way too much about the Pacific Division, and we're going to do just two more. Pittsburgh Penguins, 25th in the league, 4-6-2, and two, nightmare fuel Western road trip. Just the worst road trip they could have imagined. Uh, four, six, and two through 12 games. Panic button? Or are you optimistic? This is probably the most no-brainer panic button to me in the entire NHL. And I'm going to quickly just read you a list. And this list is the top five prospects of the Pittsburgh Penguins going into this season. Samuel Poulin, Owen Pickering, Pierre-Oliver-Joseph, Joel Blomqvist, and Nathan Laguerre. You can't expect that your future is set with those players. Like Columbus, for instance. You've got Ken Johnson. You've got Cole Sillinger. I'm a huge Yegor Chenehoff fan. Like there are pieces that are coming up in that organization that are cause for hope with Pittsburgh. Yeah, totally. Oh, and that was hit. That was their sixth overall pick this year. Yeah, superb defenseman out of the Czech Republic. So, it, with Pittsburgh, they have been going all in to win for so long, and I think the chickens are coming home to roost as far as the aggressiveness and trading. And you know, as much as 
I wanted this to be kind of like a last dance season for them for Crosby, Malkin, Latang to to make another push. It's not surprising me that they like the, the time the, the it, you know you can't beat time. It was always going to come, and whether it was going to come this year, next year, or two years from now, the Penguins were going to have to look themselves in the mirror and and acknowledge that their best days are behind them. And I think for that reason, it's 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 hit the panic button for the Pens. All right. That's uh that that's it's I won't say it's a hot take, but it's a sizzling take. I like that one. That's uh that's the first sizzling take of the pod. Uh final team in this little game we've got going on here. Nashville Predators. Five, six, and one through twelve games. And it's worth noting that they started the season on a different continent. Panic button? Are you optimistic? I would also say panic button for the Predators. Again, kind of just looking at that team and thinking, okay, that's a team that expects to make the playoffs. That's a team that made moves in the off season to make them more ready to win in the now. Again, I look at that Predators prospect pipeline and I'm thinking like, I really, really, really liked Eli Tolvanen. He hasn't quite worked out the way that he was supposed to work out, but yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of their first round pick, Joachim Kamel, that they picked in, in this most recent draft. Uh, they do have Russian goaltender Yaroslav Askarov, so the prospect pool isn't as thin as Pittsburgh's is. But to have that much money locked up in Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, and Philip Forsberg, that's another team to me that their best days are behind them. So I think the reality check for the Predators has to be this group has reached as high of heights as they're going to reach. And now you have to assess what the best road for the future is. And I don't think cup aspirations is the answer to that question all right we're going to shift gears to one more quick game this one is uh a little a, a little bit less of uh requiring takes uh so what we're going to do with this one is we're going to look at two categories two stat categories in the nhl and i need you to name as many of you can as many as you can of the top five players in that category so we're going to start with goals scored because there's a little bit of uh, unfamiliar faces in that one. Well, Connor McDavid, we touched on it, 13 and 13. He will be at or close to the top of that leaderboard. Bo Horvat for the Canucks is in double digits with 10. He will also be up there um, just because... He's the reason that I am not first place in my fantasy league right now. Uh, Eric Carlson is my next name on the goal scoring charts. And just trying to think. I know Matthews is behind. I think he's only got six. Horvat, Carlson, and McDavid are the three that I'm confident with. You're three for three five. on those ones. The next two, honestly... You might get one of them, but the other one is uh, the other one's a reach. I have faith, buddy. I have faith. You got this. You got some pep in your step going into this one. We've we've been flying through the first episode of this pod. You're uh, you're you're ready to fire off at least one of these two. Do you want your first hint? I'm gonna go Jack Eichel. All right, who are they? Well, number five, we mentioned him earlier in the episode, Gabe Velarde. Absolutely. Number four, for the most exciting team in the NHL, the Buffalo Sabres, Victor Olofsson. I like Victor Olofsson for what he is. And what he is is a guy that is going to go to the right spot, receive the puck, use his elite shot to score goals, get a ton of power play points. And yeah, Gabe Velarde to me, he was a guy that going into the 2017 draft, I was, I would have had no problems with the Canucks picking him fifth. Of course they ended up with Patterson. I'm not going to complain about that, but it's good to see him kind of battle through numerous injuries to, to, to reach a level that it looked like he had the potential to reach in his draft year. All right. So next stat is goalie wins. And uh, there is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven way tie for second with six wins. Uh, I need you to name five goalies of the top five. I'll I'll take any of those other ones. Because oh. there's some pretenders there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, with again, I I, I was confident with the first three goal scorers. I said I'm confident with none of these goaltender names. I'm going to throw. <laughs> but, and you shouldn't be. No, and and you saying that is going to make this guess kind of seem a little bit silly. But I'm you, Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is not on the board. He has four wins and he's in a tie for 17th right now. Wow. Well, you know, we know it's not Thatcher Demko with one win this season. Um, Jack Campbell's not going to be up there. Oh. It's it's just... You got one hint per round. That's it. Well, with as good as the Boston Bruins have been, I've got to say Linus Olmark has to be up there. They just won their 11th game today. Undisputed number one. Okay. I know I've seen, you know, I, I've, I've been up to date on kind of the, the, the Vezina rankings. I know Carter Hart has been. Bang. That's number two. That's two. Okay. Um. Again, I don't want to make it. It just, it feels like an obvious guess. I, I love this Rangers team and I love Igor Shesterkin. Is just Bang, another three. one, number three. Okay, you're being nice because I almost would have made me stop at Vasilevsky when I got that wrong. But I'm, you know, <laughs> um, well, we were talking about Vegas being good, and we talked about Logan Thompson. So Logan Thompson's my next guess. That's four. Okay, you haven't named any of the funny ones yet. Well, then that's that. Those are going to be the ones that I'm going to miss, right? Um. <laughs> And even with you saying that, it, I'm going to make a guess that wouldn't be a funny one. It's just, you know, the Islanders came from behind tonight to beat the Flames. I'm a big fan of this guy. Elias Sorokin? Uh, actually, I think with tonight's win, he is, that's now a seven-way tie. Oh, look at that. Okay. So I, you know, I, I, I yeah, so, you know. I wouldn't have. That's five names. You did great. Uh, I was looking for any of Martin Jones, um, Ilya Samsonov, or Alex Georgiev. Georgiev is probably the only one of those three that I would have, like, you know, eventually arrived at just because I know he's, you know, the starting goalie on a very good team. But, um, yeah, the other ones were were, would have definitely been a stretch. (laughs) I think that's all we have for our games. Uh, We'll probably do two of those every episode. I think that's the best way to do it. Whether you fire one my way, I fire one your way, or we just do two of them each. Uh, I think that's probably the best way we can, uh, we can feed our, our hockey nerd craving. And uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the kind of thing you can expect from this podcast is that we're going to get creative. We're going to have a good time with it. Touch on a little junior talk about the NHL stuff that everyone wants to hear and add our own little spice and flavor to it. What do you have to say about that one, Aiden? Enjoyed it. And, you know, this is, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier in the podcast, but as much as this is a, a product we're trying to, trying to establish and we're trying to, you know, start a little thing that, that for, for us to, for us to do, it's as much just an excuse for James and I to hop on a call and talk hockey for a while. So I hope, uh, I hope that comes across to the listener as well. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to cue our buddy Gareth Barrett again. Roll out, Thanks, guys. <laughs>